Our first scripture today comes from the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. The word that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many people shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and that we may walk in, or that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations, and he shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their, pl- shall, their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. The word of the Lord. reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24, verses 37 through 44. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and given in marriage, until the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them away. So too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field and one will be taken, and one will be left. And two women will be grinding meal together, and one will be taken, and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you must also be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. The word of our Lord. I don't know about you, but today, as the first day of Advent, this is not the text that I wanted to hear. We've just had Thanksgiving, and perhaps we've had the opportunity to hang out with family and friends, and it was great to see everyone and eat tons of food. And some of us are still enjoying our turkey comas. This is not the text that we wanted to hear. We're pulling out all of 
our Christmas decorations and making our Christmas travel plans and preparing for all the Christmas parties? This is not the text that we want to hear. We are preparing for all the good feels of Christmas, the hope and the joy and the peace and the love, and this is not the text that we want to hear. We want to hear some familiar stories, stories of angels appearing to Mary and visits to Elizabeth and shepherds and stars. But the Gospel of Matthew shares with us a more eschatological start to Advent, a dark start that has us thinking about the end times and death and judgment and the final destiny of our soul and humankind. This text evokes images of a rapture, not snowmen and gingerbread lattes and warm, wonderful things of Christmas. What gives? Well, the truth is, the first Sunday of Advent and the first Sunday of a new lectionary year always starts with a bit of an ominous text. While Matthew's Gospel is severely more gray than Mark or Luke, the first Sunday of Advent is often a reminder that before Jesus arrives, we first have to wake up from our everyday slumber. We often think that Advent is all about getting ready for Christmas. But it's actually a season of anticipating the second coming of Christ. Of course, we forget this. With Christmas decorations appearing before Halloween ends and stories and stores pushing us to get our shopping done early, it is easy to forget the reason for the season. Even with our own 7th Street traditions and practices, such as our gorgeous Christmas tree and our Christmas party with Santa Claus coming, often points us to celebrating for Christmas, not recognizing and anticipating the return of Christ. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, I don't want to suggest that recognizing and preparing for Christmas is bad, because it's not. Because during Christmas, we most certainly celebrate the nativity and the birth of our Savior. But Matthew's Gospel reorients us, reminding us that there is much more to this season of Advent. Matthew's congregation is dealing with a lot. They were living in a time marked with idolatry and sin and injustice and exploitation and violence. They believed the realm of heaven was coming, an age characterized by forgiveness and mutual support and health and blessings and eternal life. 
And this age would be complete with the arrival of Jesus' return. But they had been waiting a long time. They were losing confidence in this coming realm. And while God was calling Matthew's community to follow the instruction and model of Jesus, they felt like their witness was fading. Matthew is encouraging them to press on. Matthew encourages the community to remain faithful and witness even in the midst of conflict until that second coming. To remain vigilant and ready to stay woke, as the young kids like to call it. We might find some areas that we can relate to in Matthew's community. It can most certainly feel like we are living in a time marked with idolatry and sin and injustice and exploitation and violence. We can feel pressed down by all that is happening in the world. The rate of addiction to alcohol and drugs and material possessions is rapidly growing. One in four people in our culture are taking prescription pain medicine. For millennials, depression has been on the rise for the last 13 years. And three out of five college-age students suffers from a diagnosable mental disorder. These same historical levels have actually also been found true in our elderly. A quick peruse of the news headlines reveals that nursing homes are illegally evicting elderly and disabled residents who can no longer pay. There was a massive chemical fire at a plant in Texas. And there was a stabbing attack on London Bridge. It all reminds me of this bumper sticker that I once saw. Where are we going and why am I in this handbasket? There is so much to fear. With nonstop feeds of information from our phones and emails and social media, our fears are easy to manipulate. As humans, we are hardwired to respond to this fear. And in order to cope, to survive, to just make it through the day, we stop paying attention and turn inward. We do whatever we have to do in order to escape. We turn off the news and maybe we turn on HGTV. Or we go shopping, even though our credit card debt is the highest that it's ever been in U.S. history. We are indeed losing confidence in this coming realm, and we shake our heads and pray for Jesus to hurry up and come back so that we don't have to deal with it. Like Matthew's community, we are tired, and we need a break. 
We need a little self-care. And so we indulge ourselves in gingerbread and love while watching the Hallmark, Hallmark Channel's 101 Christmas movies. No doubt we need some space to catch our breath and rest. But how long is our rest? There's a story about a Canadian goose who is flying over Kansas. For whatever reason, it fell behind the flock, and as it was figuring out where to go, it spotted a flock of Toulouse geese by a pond near a farm. Now, Toulouse geese are not like Canadian geese. In fact, they are domesticated and they can't even fly. Well, this Canadian goose ended up just staying the day with these other geese. And one day turned into a week, and then one week turned into a month, and then one month turned into an entire winter. And because the farmer would always take out a bu bucket of cracked corn to the pond and feed the geese every single day, he never had to worry about food either. Well, eventually, winter was over, and the wild Canadian geese were flying north again, and that Canadian goose who had spent the winter in Kansas looked up and saw his friends honking and was stirred with a strange thrill to join his comrades in flight. So he started running and running, and he started flapping his wings, but he could never get off the ground. He had become so soft and heavy from his complacency during the winter that he literally couldn't fly anymore. So he dropped back to the pond and said, oh well, life here is good enough. And even though he used to fly all over the country and see all sorts of sights with his fellow Canadian geese, over time he just became complacent. And every fall and every spring he ignored his fellow Canadian geese as they flew by. For he had traded an incredible life of, of adventure for eating cracked corn by an ugly pond. How long will our rest be? Maybe one Hallmark Christmas movie turns into ten, and ten turns into a hundred. We try to re-engage in the world and realize that nothing has changed. And while we are losing confidence in this coming realm, we are actually truly heartbroken about it. And once again, we are overwhelmed with concern and grief and fear because we don't even know what to do other than to detach and to numb. And we have numbed ourselves 
toward war and gun violence and the political messiness in D.C. We have detached ourselves from broken relationships and mental illness and financial problems. The thing is, most of us are also in a privileged place that we get to detach because we aren't living in Texas or in London, because we aren't millennials struggling with depression, because we have enough money to pay for our housing, because we don't think it will ever happen to us. We have the privilege of not having to do anything about it, and our lives, for the most part, can just go on as planned. But Matthew reminds us, keep awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. Disengagement, numbness, complacency is just fear packaged in different ways. Our escape is based in fear, fear of being overwhelmed, of being tired, of feeling heavy with the weight of the world, and of not knowing what to do. And we are so desperate to find hope and to feel hope that we are fine replacing our Savior with anything that will make us feel good. With Hallmark movies and chocolate cake, even if it's only temporary, even if it's fake messiahs and easy answers, even if it's cracked corn by an ugly pond, even when we mutter, oh well, life here is good enough. But Matthew reminds us, keep awake. For you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. Keep awake because God's justice and hope is breaking through in our world. Advent invites us to pay attention to the metaphor of intrusion. These honestly scary images of the flood sweeping us away or being in the field and grinding meal and then suddenly being taken, they intrude our senses and help us wake up. Wake up from our complacency, wake up from our privilege, wake up from our numbness. Advent is an intrusion of ripping off the band-aid and opening up the floodgates to our feelings and feeling all the feels, including those which are scary or uncomfortable or vulnerable. And those feelings that move us to have to be honest with ourselves. Because if we are numb to our own life, then we are also numb to the community around us. And if we are disengaged from our one and only life, then we are also disengaged from the community around us. Advent is the choice to wake up and to help 
see and build a better world. One that we don't need to regularly escape from. It's thinking outside the box like St. Paul's Episcopal Church in Walnut Creek, California, who is using their church property to build affordable housing complexes. Or like Faith United Church of Christ in Texas, who is part of a micro-lending team who recently celebrated lending out over $100,000 in 75 different countries to help support small family businesses and agriculture and farming goals and green initiatives. The body of Christ just needs to do what it has always done. Be a witness to Jesus. Matthew's Gospel reminds the community that to be ready means just living and witnessing as Jesus instructed. Advent is most certainly a season of anticipation, but it is also one of experience. Be ready. Wake up, or we will miss the inbreaking of God's future in our very present, here and now. Wake up. Wake up to imagination. Wake up to your baptism. Wake up and believe that the promises of Isaiah are true, that they will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks, and nation will not take a sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Wake up and see that hope is present. Amen.